0: Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists at a head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So Sebastian, on today's podcast, we want to introduce our special guest, the head coach and general manager of the USPHL's Rum River Mallards, Tristan Jensen. Tristan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks guys for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, thanks for jumping on. It's really exciting. We all got to connect here. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of questions for you. So uh, let's jump into this, Tristan. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your hockey life.
1: Uh, I'm going to say hockey life and myself, they kind of flow together. Uh, I think uh, since the time I was about four or five years old, it's been hockey, hockey and uh, nothing but hockey. So, you know, it's uh, it's something that I love uh, very much. I've made a lot of friendships in the game. Um, Had a lot of great experiences. And then obviously now I I get to do a full time for a living, which is which is incredible. I mean, I I can't I can't speak to how grateful I am that I get an opportunity to go to the rink five days a week, six days a week and uh, help young players get to the next level.
0: That is the dream.
2: It really is (laughs) that you are
0: living the dream. No, 100 percent, man.
2: I mean, uh, he said, I mean, that, that's the absolute dream. And I guess for me, I guess what the, the question I personally had was kind of what ultimately led you into coaching and, and uh, hockey landing you back in Asante and you know where you played your junior hockey as an owl. Uh,
1: so it's actually kind of a crazy story. So my uh, how it all started, it would have been about, I think it was August of 2019. Um, I came out. Uh, I was originally trying to be a scout while I was in college for the Rum River Mallards. Um, and I came back to Isanti. To come visit my old billet family. Their daughter uh, graduated high school. so I got a chance to uh, go to one of the camps uh, for the mallards and then I got to meet the owner at a graduation party and basically just the guy there at the time, I had some things that I thought could be improved on. Um, so I voiced my opinion there. Um, never got that phone call to be a scout from the, the man who was running the program. Uh, uh, before I came in. And, uh, so I went back to school at Saginaw Valley State University, go cards, shout out those boys. Uh, they're a great group of guys over there. Um, started playing, uh, it would have been my, uh, senior year and, uh, about 10 games in, I, uh, blew my knee out, uh, got into a collision playing goalie and, uh, my career was basically, uh, done. The doctor said it would take you know years for me to recover, to be back to where I was at. And even if I was there, I would never be a hundred percent. And, uh, about uh, a week after I, I got that phone call, I got a phone call from the owner of the River Mallards and said, hey, uh, you want to be the head coach and GM of our team? Uh, starting in two weeks. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. So kind of just stumbled into it. It's it's actually really interesting how it all went down.
0: Wow, that was a super quick turnaround. Two weeks, be here and get ready, huh? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it was,
1: it was great because, like, you know, you have mom and dad helping you out with school and stuff. And I said, yeah, I'll take the job. I'll be there tomorrow. My mom goes, yeah, no, not a chance. Finish the semester. So I actually... Uh, I took my last final, uh, got done at about like 5 o'clock uh, on, a, on a Tuesday, I think it was, and uh, hopped in the car, uh, drove through the night, and was there to run practice at 10 a.m. the next morning. So my first practice as a head coach, I'd been an assistant uh, here and there, but I'd never been the head guy. And so my first practice was, about, uh, was on about three hours of sleep. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> I had a U-Haul, uh, you know, I brought the U-Haul to the arena, hadn't even moved into where I was living at, and, and just uh, jumped right in.
0: I think that speaks to the level of passion yeah I think you see within the hockey community just to be given that opportunity and and to just drop everything and get there on three hours of sleep and not even locate your apartment before you're already pushing out your first practice that's that's hockey right there
1: no I mean it's 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 one of those things that is uh it's such an incredible story like I think this is actually probably the first time I've really told the story about it you know and it's just incredible to think about and you know, for me being a younger guy, like I was coming in at 23 years old, you know, um, it's not necessarily, it's not like I have, you know, practice plans uh, from years and years of coaching. It was kind of driving in the car. And luckily my dad, who who's my, you know, one of my biggest supporters is, you know, he drove, the, he drove with me a little bit and uh, I was able to put together a practice plan and I'm, I'm you know, critiquing it with him in the car at, at, at two in the morning in the middle of a snowstorm, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what we were going to do, you know, and, uh so, no, it's uh it's a great story of how I got there. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing uh it's an amazing opportunity. I, I can't be I can't be um, any more grateful for the opportunity that I've had.
0: So then any memorable moments that stand out during your first season at the helm?
1: I mean, there's there's a couple of them. I mean, like, uh, you know, we went to uh, Chicago for a showcase and at that point, um, you know, I coached one game i got one game in before we went to this lot which was an amazing game as well we got to play one of the you know the one of the premier programs in our division which that midwest west division year in and year out i i'm biased because i coach in it but it's the best division in tier three junior hockey hands down um i mean it's competitive night in and night out there's a reason why last year if you look at the usphl standings the teams ranked one two and three in our division were uh basically two three and four nationally in points i mean it's it's that good of a division and we got a chance to play a, a phenomenal moose team. And uh, we pulled out a win in overtime and that was my first win uh, in my first game. So that was really nice to get that. And it was like, okay, maybe I do belong here. You know, cause you have those doubts too, right? When you yeah. go from being an assistant to a head guy, I'm younger, you know, everybody's looking at us like, why are they hiring this kid? You know? So it was great to get that win. we go to Chicago um, had a couple of games where, you know, it, it is tough the, the, that pro at that point in time those guys you know you, they lose their coach mid-season um they're kind of having a tough goal of it and basically you know it was it was hard for them to get to get them to buy in and I, I think the turning point was uh we had a game basically where uh they called about four penalties on us in the first five minutes we went down two nothing to a team that we had no business going down two nothing to um and so uh i gave it to the ref a little bit through through a couple of water bottles i got tossed and all of a sudden we scored seven unanswered and from there there on out uh guys really just uh they bought in they said all right the, you know this coach is uh, he's here for us he has our back and um you know from then on we were we were rolling
2: i think honestly like it's when coaches do things like that i think it shows you know not only uh, the players buying in but the coaches are buying in and you know i i mean i think it's not a it's not a secret that a tight team usually is a good team uh so a question i kind of have for you as well as a coach and gm uh how do you and your staff incorporate uh team building into your yearly schedule
1: I uh, it's, it's, it's key. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if guys walk into the rink and they can't stand the guy they're sitting next to, then you're not going to have any success. Right. So you, you got to get You got to get guys in the room that are going to be um, friends off the ice, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, definitely at this level, like, you know, at the end of the day, these 99.99% of the players that play tier three junior hockey are not going to go play in the NHL, you know, simple as that. So you're, you're working for a college offer. Um, and, and if you your attitude's not there because you don't like the guy you're sitting next to, um, you know, that that's going to bleed into your play. And then that's going to bleed into, you know, what kind of college offer you're going to get, where, where are you going to go to school? Where are you going to get your education? So, you know, like last year we brought in a couple of guys, uh, like Sevriano Reyes, uh, from South St. Paul, this kid is, uh, we, you know, he is a water bug out there, man, sandpaper all the time, but he comes in the locker room and he's always got a smile on his face. He's always making sure, you know, if a guy's frustrated after taking a penalty, he's right there to calm him down, get him to laugh a little bit, and reset to get back on the ice. Um, you know, we had our captain Derek Beckleen, last year. I mean, he is Mr. Mallard. He is the epitome of the type of culture that we have, which is, uh, you know, come in, work your work your tail off, uh, have success, and when things don't go your way, just keep pushing to get get through it. Um, you know, we we've had such a great group of guys. You know, we had Garrett Sawyer is another guy who's an assistant captain with us, um, guy who played in our division. Uh, not this past, not this past season, but the season before, and then came to us and, you know, in the room, always just little things, right, to keep the boys uh, ready to go so that when he does speak up, you know, everybody's going to take that serious, you know, and that's big on culture, you know, we get to return some of those guys, Um, you know, some of those guys are moving on to the next level, which is great. And that's, that's important as well. You know, we want to build a family here. And our big thing is like, once you come and play for us, whether you play one game or 40, uh, you're you always have a home here, no matter what. Uh, if you need a, you need a sheet of ice to skate on, uh, you can come up and skate. If you, you need a place to stay, our billet houses are always open. You know that's the kind of family atmosphere, and basically we want these guys to feel comfortable. You know you have guys coming from all over the country um, and Canada, so all over North America, coming to play junior hockey in small town Um We want to we want them to make it uh, make it feel like home. You know, and that's that's really
2: our big thing. Yeah, and honestly, like, and I think this is an unpopular opinion, and I mean, it's an opinion that I always push, especially, you know, when we talk about torts like that. I think your your team chemistry, you know, your team identity, you know, being that family knit, that, that's the kind of hockey teams that, you know, today's kids want to play for. Today's kids aren't, you know, even us when we played hockey, you know, we kind of had that sandpaper coach, and it is what it is, he's going to scream, he's going to yell at you, it is what it is, you know, he cares about you. But today's players, it's a little different, and I think having that culture... It's huge for hockey players. I mean, it's, it's not even just huge just for bringing kids in. It's just huge for, you know, for guys who leave and just want to come back, want to help out in the community. It's kind of, you're building something not only for, you know, the team, but for the town that you're representing. And it's it kind of something that lasts long. And, and I think, honestly, all that kind of comes to, you know, what you're building for that player and kind of what they see their goals as and what you see your goals as. So it kind of leads me into my next question of, you know, when you're working on your yearly goal setting, uh, do you guys include your players? And if so, what kind of degree?
1: So, you know, and just to jump back real quick, you know, that's, that's such a, a key thing right there, you know, like you get a guy who's going to scream and yell at you, you know, he might present the idea of, you know, one thing, but if you, if you're not reinforcing it with the positive and understanding that these, these kids are kids, you know, uh, you have to teach them, you have to give them opportunities, you have to let them fail. You know, that's, that's a, that's a huge part of it. So, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And definitely being in a small town, you, you have to give them a sense that you are now a part of this community. Um, as for the team, uh, you know, the team goal setting, you know, uh, we're actually going to be trying out a new thing this year. Uh, day one, we're getting size for rings. That's basically what we're going to do. That's our goal. We, we want to win a national championship and we want to advance as many guys as possible to either NCAA college, ACHA college, or uh, to the NCDC or North American league. That's our big thing. So advancement and, and then obviously winning hockey games, that's the goals. Um, now the littler goals. Yeah. We'll start to incorporate with the team a little bit, but, uh, I'm one of those guys that, uh, what do they always say? Shoot for the moon and you'll land among the stars. I know it's like a cheesy cliche, but it's so true, right? If you shoot high in expectations, um, you know, guys are going to be looking to pull out that extra 10% at the end of a game, right. To finish that game, to win that hockey game in a three, two contest or win an overtime game. So, you know, for us, we're, we're, we're shooting big and we're going to try to, uh, you know, we're going to try to surprise a lot of people. I mean, obviously we didn't have a great year last year, uh, had a little bit of turmoil, but other than that, like, you know, we're building a program that hopefully is going to be here for the next 50 years. You know, that's the goal. And it starts with one team, right? And all it takes is one team to go win something. And then all of a sudden that becomes the standard.
0: Yeah, so I, I know that you mentioned here, like, this COVID-19 season was a bit of a rough one for the organization, but you're also talking about the advancement of the players and and tying into that, Captain Derek Becklin here, you know, he had an amazing season. I looked, he averaged over a point a game, and moving on, he's committed to Hamlin University. So what should fans of Hamlin University be expecting when Derek hits the ice this upcoming season?
1: If Derek Becklin is putting on a jersey for your team, you're, you're one lucky fan. Uh, that's all I have to say. I mean, the end of the day he's one of the hardest working kids i've ever met that's a man who has been with the Mallards since they came into existence he's what he's the last of the original mallards um played he's the only out of the only guy out of the original mallards to play all of his years with rum river he is mr mallard he is he owns every single record that we have basically um you know he, he's one of those guys that's going to come into the rink and he's going to give you everything he has or whatever role he's asked to fill um, and that's the most important thing when it comes to Derek. I mean, he, he just he is nonstop.
0: So I saw that he's been a captain for the last couple seasons, too. Correct.
1: Correct. So actually, when I came in in December, uh, I spent about when we got done with Chicago, we had our little Christmas break and I came back and I put a C on his chest. Um, just he was an assistant at the time. But in reality, he was the captain of that team. Um, he was he was the, the true leader in the room. True leader on the bench, um, and then a true leader on the ice. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer to just say, hey, you know what, you're gonna you're gonna have a C here. So we rolled with two C's. And then coming into this uh, last past season, obviously, the moment he said, yeah, I'm back, let's uh, let's go take another run at it. Uh, he he was the captain, and it's it was his team, uh, you know, no doubt.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, when, when you're talking about you know bringing in players and you know hardworking, uh, those are you know great attributes. That I think that you know all of us as coaches, you know, we want you know. 15 guys that are just you know boots on the ground kind of guys so uh for you guys like what kind of what what are some of the attributes you guys look for in players when you're recruiting you know not only for the mallards but also for the cardinals
1: uh basically the big thing is i mean when it comes to the mallards um we're we're looking for guys we, we say we look for the bulldog players um you know those guys that are willing to go into the corners win puck battles um you know get in front of the net score dirty goals um, defensemen that are in control of the game, goaltenders that, you know, at the end of the day, I was a goaltender myself. I expect my goal is to stop box, you know? So, um, we, we really look for the hardworking guys. Um, I, I'm a big advocate on, I don't need, you know, I don't need five guys that are, you know, scoring, uh, you know, 50 goals a year. I'd rather have 20 that are scoring 10. You know, that's kind of how I operate on that side of it. I, I mean, uh, my big idol that I look up to is Barry Trotz. I love how Trotz coaches his teams. It's been a pleasure watching the Islanders this playoffs and, and and how they play. I mean, you see a guy like Matt Barzell, right? He, he's a point of game type of player, but he's bought into a system that is obviously working. You know, if they were to play run and gun hockey and try to go uh, tit for tat with Boston, they don't win that series. Right. So we look for players that are ready to buy into a system and ready to work their uh, work their tails off. And, and at the end of the day, they're going to reap the reward um, if they do buy in. Um, as for the Cardinals. um look for guys that want to be there. Right. Um, and that program is one of the premier programs in in the ACHA. I mean, I I played there for three years. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be their national scout now, which is, which is an amazing opportunity to represent that school. Um, you know, you, that's a place where you get 800 fans a game. Basically they, they, they sell that place out to capacity and and 90% of them are, are students. Um, you know, you get the pep band going. So it's, it's guys that handle, can handle big moments. Um, and then guys who are just dedicated to the logo. I mean, then that goes for both, really. Um, you got to buy into a logo and a system. Definitely when you're going to a college, too, you got to find a program that you're willing to spend four years of your life, five years of your life completely dedicated to, you know, and that's uh, that's a big thing when we're looking for players over at Saginaw.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, buying into the logos, uh, you know, really important for the players and, and in terms of the organization, getting that extra support is always critical. So, you know, how important is sponsorship to your organization? And would you like to thank any of those sponsors on this podcast?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, sponsorships are huge. I mean, it's one of those things like we are in a small town, um, you know, so our our big thing is we want to go local, you know. Uh, We want to support our local businesses because what that does for us, number one, that helps us get more opportunities to our players. That also helps us do a little bit more. So like when a fan comes, instead of spending, you know, $400 to take, you know, your whole family down to go watch the wild play, you can spend 40, 50 bucks and come have a great night over in a Sandy, right. Uh, Have the full pregame production, um, you know, enjoy, um, you know, local eateries, local drinks, things of that nature. Um, One of our biggest sponsors is actually our announcers. So, we have a, a Sandy uh, distillery, uh, out of Isani. uh, Rick, he's the guy who runs that he makes all the liquor. He does all that stuff. He's also our, our announcer. So our play, our, our announcer in game, which is, uh, absolutely awesome. He's been great to us. Um, we're really excited actually. So we're going to be uh, having our own liquor license this season. Um, we're doing all local, um, you know, drinks and we'll have iSani spirits drinks there, which is going to be super exciting. Um, you know, like a nice little mom and pop, um, obviously, uh, we, we have the city of Sandy. They are huge for us. Mayor Jeff Johnson. Uh, the guy is incredible. We actually just, uh, posted an event that we're going to be having here soon with our free agent camp. Uh, the town does a street dance, which is basically a bunch of food vendors come out. Uh, they get a live band. It's right in downtown Isani and all, uh, you know, people go out and enjoy the evening, um, eat some good food, um, do all that. So we're actually partnering with the city to have free, uh, the fans in for free for our last game of the tryout camp and then walk right over to Isani, uh, uh, downtown Sandy for the Sandy street dance. Um, so those are definitely, uh, two really big ones. Uh, Sella, uh, they're a huge one. They do roofing and siding. Um, they're a great company that has, uh, definitely given us a couple of bucks to help us do, uh, you know, some renovations on our bus uh, and things of that nature. So, um, no sponsorships are, you know, they're huge at this level and, and it's so cool to see businesses get excited, um, for our team and, and for our players.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, the sponsorships are, are so critical to the teams, especially at the junior level. I just relocated out of the Salt Lake City area, but I was a huge Ogden Mustangs fan and we'll still be covering them in season upcoming. But the great thing, like you said there, in Asani, where they have the local brewery right there, the whole the whole town's kind of connected to the team. It's kind of the same way in Ogden when you go there and it's a cheap game ticket. You're gonna spend eight dollars if you're a military or a veteran, ten dollars for everyone else. I think kids are a little bit lower. If you want the really good seats, you spend twenty bucks and there's only eight of them right behind the glass. And I love the rowdy row. But then you get a good beer, a good local beer for five dollars. You know, they got like Utah and Roosters make specific beer just for the Mustangs for these games, and it's all on tap, and then you get the big thick hot dog for three fifty. So you get a couple beers and a hot dog, and you've only spent 13 bucks. You can't get a beer in an NHL arena for 13 dollars. No, not at
1: all. And you know, now that you bring up, uh, you know, Ogden and, uh, and Kenny Orlando over there, I guess, uh, you know, I you might have to shout them out that we got to play. We got to play in a showcase, or we, you're gonna have to come to I Sandy. We might have to go to Ogden, something, and then we got to get you guys out there. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to set something up for that. I know me and Kenny have talked about it a little bit, but we'll have to get it set in stone. I think this is kind of destiny right here, saying, "Yeah, we got to do it."
0: There you go, Coach Kenny, Coach Nick. Let's uh, let's get it done. Let's uh, let's see a showdown between the Mallards and the Mustangs. That would be that would be a good a good showdown. But talking about food, I love my hot dogs at those games. I love food, and I always have to ask, what is one of your favorite places to eat in Asani?
1: Uh, It's got to be Wintergreens. Uh, Wintergreens is the uh, you know it is it is a really small town, so Wintergreens is the only restaurant uh, like, you know, sit down kind of restaurant in town, but man, are they awesome over there. So, you know, they, uh, a lot of great deals, a lot of good food. I don't know how many times I find myself going to lunch while I'm working in the office and say, Oh, I'm just going to pop over for lunch or after a game. Um, you know, and they've been a staple of it in a since I've played, I used to go there after, uh, you know, we do a morning skate and It's all right. We're going to grab a, a pregame meal over at, at winter Greens, you know, um, they're, they're an amazing, amazing establishment. And, and we're so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to hopefully working with them um in the coming years but that is uh that is the spot definitely and i said to go get a bite to eat
0: what's your go-to order oh
1: that's tough so they got a uh it's the a1 steakhouse burger and so it's mm. got like fried onions on it you know it's got all the fixings uh you know the burger uh a1 sauce and then i always sub out the bun for a pretzel bun and oh man it's a game changer
0: <laughs> well there you go mustangs mallards meet up meet up at each other's arenas whatever you got to do but if the Mustangs go up there. I think that's the place to eat right there.
2: 100%. And, and sorry to kind of take away from the, you know, the food podcast. I'm sure everyone now listens to getting hungry. And, I mean, I just had dinner before we did this, and I'm starving already just thinking about it. But, you know, I'm going to bring us back here to a little bit of hockey. So as a coach myself, trying to come through the ranks and try to figure out, you know, where I want to be and kind of what kind of coach I want to be, um, I like to t- take chance like this when I get to speak to coaches and kind of pick their brains and kind of, you know, maybe, you know, as we call it, borrow a few things and kind of stick in my own coaching tool belt. So uh, I guess my question is, you know, what what was one thing that you would, a piece of advice you would give to, you know, a coach coming up, uh, you know, a piece of advice you learned along the way or just something you learned through, you know, trial and error or even just some successes. What's something you kind of, the one point you would share with coaches?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I always kind of say it's like the pyramid of it, right? So it's really three things. The first thing is, is it's okay to fail. That's that's the biggest thing, you know. Um, Coaches nowadays, you know, everybody sees you know, on Instagram, oh, this team's winning, this team's doing that. That's totally fine. But are you developing your players? Are you advancing your players to the next level? Um, are you learning along with your players? Because every day as a coach, you should be walking in, just like a player's learning to use a new, uh, you know, walking in to learn a new skill to put in their tool belt. You have to learn a new skill as a coach day in and day out. Um, so that's the big thing is don't be afraid to fail. It's okay to fail. You, you, if you don't fail, uh, is it truly success, right? Um, if it's just handed to you because you've never failed, is that really, have you done anything to get yourself to where you need to be? And in the long run, are you going to be successful? Um, the second thing is, is obviously surround yourself with the right people. Um, you have to have people that are on the same wavelength as you and and see the same, uh, ideology and, and culture for your program, you know, and, and I've been guilty of it before, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you bring somebody in, you think you're going to have some success with them and, and it's not the right fit, you know, um, got to make sure it's the right fit and people are on the same page for you. And then the third thing is to enjoy it. You know, that at the end of the day, like if you walk in and you, you're, you're so uh, tense as a coach, right. That, that bleeds to your players. You have to come in loose. You have to come in prepared and, and kind of that firm that, you know, that firm hand, um, you know, the players see that. So, you know, the big thing is definitely just to have some fun. So, you know, obviously, It's okay to fail. Surround yourself with the right people. And at the end of the day, enjoy it. You know, it is, it is a game at the end of the day, even if, even if it is like in my situation, like I get to do this full time and that's amazing, but it is a game, right? So there, there are going to be ups and downs. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be years that you're going to be, you're going to have a great team. And There's going to be years that, you know what, you just, the team's not there, you know, but at the end of the day, you're, you're doing something you love and you're helping kids get to the next level.
0: So one final question out there, though, speaking of the kids trying to get to the next level, what's one piece of advice you'd give to any young men and young women looking to get picked up by a team this offseason?
1: Presentation is key. It's huge. When you walk into an arena, in arena are you, do you look like you're prepared? When you get on the bench, is your demeanor positive? Um, when you're on the ice and the play doesn't go your way, are you, are you putting your head down and slashing a guy on the back check, or are you getting on your horse and being the first guy back in the zone? attitude and presentation that's really the big thing so if i walk into a rink i don't know how many times like we have a player uh we have a player coming here um next year that i i mean i'm super excited to have him and the only reason i i'm signed him if i'm gonna be frank with you it was his attitude i barely watched his shifts but i saw how he was he was a leader on the bench when a player made a bad play he's walking down the bench saying hey get your head up we're gonna go play Now the stats, the stats backed it up, right? When you start doing the research and watching more hockey. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a good attitude, you're going to go way farther than a player who has a lot of God-given skill, who doesn't want to work hard, who is constantly sulking, moping, taking stupid penalties, you know? So that's the big thing. So definitely attitude. It's presentation. It's how you present yourself. Um, Don't be afraid to go and talk to coaches. You know, I know some guys, they think, oh, I'm going to wait for a coach to talk to me. Talk to me. Call them. You know, walk up to them, shake their hand, introduce yourself. Networking is 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 a huge way, and if your presentation's right there, a lot of coaches are going to be impressed
0: right on the spot. That's good advice, not only for uh, the players, but the previous advice for the coaches. So that's awesome information, awesome advice, and yeah, we do really want to thank you again for for jumping on this podcast with us today.
1: No, thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can reconnect here when you guys are doing your next jersey selection, so uh, we can try to lobby to get us. uh, higher on the list, and uh, we'll catch up and uh, hopefully uh, have some good results to share with you guys when I I come back.
0: I think Sebastian's a little bit hurt by the orange jersey being dropped. Uh, I admit I was too. I I do like the green one coming up. I do like the green one a lot. But before we do wrap this up, I do want to say... For all listeners, definitely go out there, give some support to Brian Page. He was injured earlier this season and left him paralyzed during a Little Flyers game. Yeah, So jump onto his GoFundMe page. The link will be in the description of the podcast. As again, any money would be greatly appreciated by not only his family, but his friends and his teammates. But until then, this was Pigeonhole Hockey. This was Chris and Sebastian.
2: Keep your heads up.
0: And we'll catch you next time.